Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noll, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Chandler Bull, you are the founder and the CEO of selfpublishing.com, which of course is the website itself, selfpublishing.com. Welcome to Listening with Leaders. Doug, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, I met you in an interview that you did with me for Authority Magazine, and I was just so fascinated by your work that I thought it'd be really fun to have you on the podcast. Tell For my listeners who probably haven't read the the interview. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into what selfpublishing.com is all about. Yeah, um, so I'm a C-level English student and a college dropout with ADHD uh, <laughs> that somehow ended up falling in love with and, and writing books and publishing books. And so um, I run a company called selfpublishing.com and self-publishing school, and we've published about 7,000 books in the last uh, eight years or so. Um, and so um, we're, we're on a mission to change lives through books. We believe that books change the lives of readers and of authors. And I've kind of seen that firsthand because when I dropped out of school, I started, I, I acted like I was still in school, but now I was in the school of books. <laughs> and I would, you know, I, I realized that the smartest, most successful people on the planet have written a book. And all I have to do is pay 15 bucks and spend a few hours and I can learn all the best things that they know. Right. So I call a book a $15 mentor. Uh, and so I started reading books like crazy. And that, that's been a big part of my business growing and now ultimately uh, falling in love with books from someone who, you know, didn't really like it. And I wasn't really good at uh, writing or reading. So what makes what makes your what you do unique in in the book publishing world? Yeah, great question. So we feel like there's probably two or three things. One of which is a lot of, a lot of times people, a lot of publishing companies out there, they don't really help until you've got the manuscript finished. Uh -huh. And so they can help take from manuscript to publishing maybe, but we coach people through the process from idea to getting your draft done to kind of working through that whole process. Um, and so that's one of the big differentiators is we have a coaching and accountability process and a team that I just haven't really seen anyone else build it out like that. And at that, and, and at the scale that we're at, but then secondly, and more recently, um, we've, we just have a, this whole host of services that help people have more success with their books. And so our goal is to kind of take the best elements of traditional publishing and the best elements of self-publishing and blend them together so that we put the power back in the hands of authors. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of like, people are probably listening and like, well, what does that even mean? Um, and so, and so, you know, the goal is, hey, you keep your rights and royalties, but we do some of the hard work and make make sure that you have a great book that sells more copies. So cover design, formatting, ISBN, upload, all that stuff. But most people who solve that problem end up taking either they own your book or they or they take a lot of or all of the rights and royalties to that book. And so our goal is to kind of blend the two uh, to help authors be more successful. Right. Interesting. So when people come, I, 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 I'm the author of four books myself, and people come to me and say, 
how do I go about writing a book? I said, writing a book is 1% of the work. The rest of <laughs> 9% is marketing. Yeah. You better do your market research before you even put pen to paper, so to speak. What, what's your yeah. thing about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. Like I, um, one, of the, one of the things that you're kind of alluding to that I really recommend is getting clear on who you're writing to at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realize probably a lot of people are listening to this, but um, this is on page 58 in my book. I talk about the four P's of, of, of a best-selling book, which is person, pain, promise, price. Right. And so that's exactly what you're just kind of talking about is it starts with getting clear on who you're writing to. What's the pain that they have that they know that they have? What's the promise that you can make with this book? And then the price is pretty straightforward, depending on the genre and format. Right. And so get super clear on that. Then then, yes, write a great book for that person. And once you've done that well, that is the wind at the back of your marketing. But then you still got to spend a lot of time and uh, and energy marketing the book. And, yeah. and this is whether you're traditionally published or self-published. Well, and it, then, up yeah, to you. I say that, that my experience has been that even if you're traditionally published, the, unless you're huge, they're not going to put any effort into marketing. You've got to do all your own marketing yourself. And of course, you're not getting correct. And it sounds like with selfpublishing.com, you guys provide a marketing service to help people get the word out about their books. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and I like that uh, you mentioned that uh, is, uh, you know, it's called book publishing company, not book marketing company. Exactly. Right? And a lot of people think that a book, uh, a publisher is going to market your book and they're no. not going to, no. it's, it's up to you. And so we provide a lot of coaching and some services as well to make that process easier. But what we even, what we try to do is we say, Hey, we're going to do some of this stuff for you, but just know that it is still up to you as the author to market this book. Now we're going to, we're going to help you create a plan. We're going to coach you. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to give you a bunch of stuff that's going to make it easier for sure. But no one cares about your book as much as you do. That's right. um, and as the author, you, you, if you build it, they will not come. Uh, you have to tell them about it. Right. right. <laughs> and telling them about it is we joke. It's like becoming friends with Sam which was the advice that my mentor gave me early on when my business was struggling. I was like, well, hold up, who's Sam and why do I need to know him? And he said, well, Sam is sales and marketing. (laughs) If you don't learn to become good friends with Sam, sales and marketing, then your business is going to struggle. Your book won't sell. And so I think that's just really important for folks. Yeah. And so what's unique about your services is, is that, um, you provide both the front end consulting and handholding while people are working on their manuscript. And I presume that either you provide editing or you can turn turn your authors to editors that you know that you respect that can help them with the editing, which because that's always a kind of a pain. And then, yeah, correct. And then, we don't provide editing yet, but that, like that's the one piece that we haven't quite done because, yeah. quite frankly, you know, we started as an education and coaching company, and then we realized that a lot of our authors they would get to that final part and then have they have to spend all this money and hire all these different people to do that final mile of publishing. And so we started by just, we would negotiate exclusive discounts with all of those service providers that were only for our people. But even still, it's just pretty cumbersome. It's like, all right, well, I got to go find a formatter and then I got to go find a cover designer. And then I got to go get someone to help with this other thing and And an editor and all this stuff. And so we're slowly chipping away at that, you know, like kind of pulling more and more of those services in-house. And when we feel like, all right, we can do this at a at a high level and a, and a standard that we think is appropriate, then we'll pull it in-house. And so not quite to the editing yet, but that's definitely on the roadmap. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. In my last book, uh, De-Escalate, um, 
I, it was published by Beyond Word, uh, which is part of Atria Simon and Schuster. And they assigned me, Simon and Schuster assigned me this young woman as an editor. She had the worst grammar. I had to con constantly correct her. She would try to change my writing. And my, I'm, I was an English major at Dartmouth and I'm, I'm a lawyer. I mean, I know how to write. <laughs> uh, and, and it was just, it was like pulling teeth to get her to not screw up my manuscript. So there's real value in having a good editor and having a bad editor. They finally, I complained and they finally, uh, they finally got me a, a senior editor and it was smooth sailing. From, she didn't change a word in my manuscript after that. That's cool. But yeah, I that's great. That's the deal. So um, let's pivot a little bit to, to, to something that I think is important about leadership, and that's listening. How important do you think is listening in, in the work that you do? Ooh, very much so. Um, at, at every level, it's important. Whether, I mean, our business was born out of listening to the problems that our authors had and the pains that they had and then creating exactly what they wanted. So I'm a big fan of this concept is of sell and build. And so the first iteration of self, what ultimately became self-publishing school and now self-publishing.com, it started because people said, hey, Chandler, you've had success with a couple of your books. Can you teach me how to do that? Uh -huh. And then I get on the phone with them for an hour for free just to be a nice person and say, hey, do this, do this, do this. Good luck. You know, and, <laughs> and then finally enough people asked, I said, hold up, we should be charging for this. But I'd learned some big lessons from trying to start businesses before and just totally failing. And, you know, the, 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 I built the thing that no one wanted. And so I said, all right, this time I'm going to do it differently and I'm going to sell it and then build it. And so I'm going to sell what I think that people want. Then I'm going to listen to them and get the exact feedback that, they, so once they purchase, I'm going to say, all right, how can I make this exactly what you want and need? And then they told me what they wanted, and then I would create that. And then all along the way, and then even just something as simple as the people who didn't purchase but express interest, we would book, we called it, why didn't you buy calls? <laughs> We'd book all these calls and we say, hey, I'm just curious, like you were clearly interested, but you decided not to sign up. Why not? What'd you think about the prize? What'd you think about this? How'd you hear about us? And then we used all that listening and putting into a spreadsheet what exactly what they said to create the marketing materials for the next iteration. And then people would say, Hey, it sounds like, it, it seems like you're just reading my mind. Like, how do you know this? And it's like, well, because I took notes from another person that was just like you who told me exactly what they were thinking. And then I put those words into our marketing materials. So just that listening through line. And that's just at the start of the business. Obviously there's been a bunch of iterations since then, but anytime that something's not working, or not converting, or we're off base, it usually is a common denominator is we're not doing a good enough job listening to our customers. Yeah. Um, so is your business mostly virtual or are you in an in-person business? All remote. Yes. All remote. So you've got since the beginning people from all over the place then. And yeah. So how do you how do you manage all of them? How are you managing the remote workplace? Yeah, it's it's uh it can be difficult, but we're remote first. Um, and, and so, uh, we've been very intentional about it. I've got a bunch of videos on this, uh, about how we do it and all that stuff, but it's, um, you know, we, uh, we were remote from the very beginning, uh, but we've been in very intentional about what are the touch points? What are the meeting cadences in-person offsites? What are the feedback loops, um, both with our customers and with our team? Um, so I know this is a really broad, uh, answer, but, 
that, that there's a lot of things within that. Like when we're having meetings, we have face-to-face -face meetings. We're, we're not just like everyone's off camera and just talking. It's like, Hey, if we're meeting we're I see you and you see me. And we're, this is not just a little, uh, you know, uh, icon on a Slack, uh, thread or something like that. And so trying to build those intentional touch points to build culture, build the team. Uh, it's hard, but it's definitely possible. And it's opened up a, a lot of really awesome. I mean, we have 40, 50 employees all around the world and all these different countries. And so we're able to really get some great talent. What, 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 are, the, what are the most important lessons you've learned managing a, a, a company that's totally remote? Hmm. Yeah, I would say, uh, most important lessons. I mean, it's kind of a mix of really good accountability mechanisms and then autonomy uh, with the people that you're leading. And so, I I mean, I think not to oversimplify, but just like, yeah, I, I look at it as accountability mechanisms and meeting rhythms and then feedback loops are probably like the main two or three things that we try to be super yeah, intentional talk, about. Talk about those. So when we're talking about accountability mechanisms, what do you what do you what are you referring to? Yeah, those are KPIs, key performance indicators. So we want to be really clear before we hire for any position that they have a job scorecard. That job scorecard has a mission and purpose of that role and uh, preferably no more than three KPIs. So key performance indicators for that role. So those KPIs are very clear. And then we build in the accountability mechanisms around that because it's are you green or red on your KPIs? And then tying that to the meeting rhythms, the, you know, we have weekly meetings per team and a daily huddle Tuesday through Friday. And then you have a one-on-one -on -one with your manager each week. So like those are the meeting rhythms and accountability but, kind of mechanisms. That, that, and is this the stuff you figured out? Uh, a lot of books. I read a lot oh, of books. Okay. <laughs> so you've, distilled out, you've distilled out from everything you've read a process. So this is what you call meeting cadences where yes, sir. Meeting, you have um, group huddles. Is that with the whole team or just with the, the team that your your people would be on? It's evolved. Uh, it used to be the full team, but I mean, now we're, you know, 40, 50 people. So now we have Multiple sales times. team, main team, and then book production, okay. kind of as three different huddles that are back to back to back. So they'll um, meet, they'll meet once a day for a short yes, sir. Just to check in. And then you've got, you've got once a week meetings with your manager, whoever that might be. Yes, sir. And there was one other thing you mentioned. What was um, uh, weekly team meetings, weekly team meetings. Okay. We kind of have our own flair to this, but this is, I mean, scaling up traction, it, it probably most closely resembles like an L10 level 10 meeting in, in the book traction. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, uh, our weekly action call is what we call it. And so it was, we might have like the marketing team, weekly action call, the executive team, weekly action call, the uh, sales team. Weekly How many action. of these meetings do you, do you have to attend? Uh, I'm yeah. Great question. I'm currently, uh, running the marketing team and CEO. So I'm working two jobs right now, uh, which is, uh, not for the faint of heart, but so I'm on the, uh, the marketing weekly action call, mm -hmm. the executive weekly action call. And then I guess technically the paid marketing one. So those are the three. Oh, and then I have a, a weekly sync with my assistant. So that's like our executive assistant weekly action call where we go over the calendar and, and stuff that's all coming up and all that good yeah. stuff. So are you finding are you are you finding that even remote work you're still working pretty long hours or are you getting pretty good life balance work life balance? Uh, I don't think those are are, are one in the or uh, uh, mutually exclusive. So I'd say yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I find that I'm working pretty long hours, and I'd say that I have a decent work life balance. 
um, I love what I do. So I certainly don't have to work or don't have to work as, as many hours as I'm currently working. Um, just based on the systems and where the You're business really, is at. And obviously stuff. very excited about what you do. Oh yeah. I love it. Light it's up when you start it's talking. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. What, um, if you think about, you, you've published over 7,000 books. You've been in business, what, since 2015, I think? Yes, sir. Um, can you think of any particular books that really stand out that were just either memorable disasters or memorable successes? <laughs> oh, man, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, there's so many that I know about. And and I mean, obviously, so many that I don't even know intimately their story right. because I wasn't the one working on that book. Uh, but I mean, one that comes to mind is one of my favorite stories is uh, we helped a, a guy who's a physical therapist uh, um, write and publish two books, or I guess publish two books technically um, on physical therapy. And he um, then his daughter saw him do it. And she said, dad, I want to do that. And so she was eight years old. She wrote a children's book. Uh, it's called the fairies of waterfall Island. Wow. And, uh, and it's, it, it, she made, I think it was, a, the book did about $3,000 in the first few months. They donated all of that to an autism awareness charity. And then she started doing speaking gigs. And so she spoke at her school and made like 1800 bucks. Um, and, and just all these different things. Now she has a monthly allowance. That's really just her book royalties uh, showing up every single month. And so that's one of my favorite stories. Cause if you just think about like the, the altered trajectory of her life, her name's Emma. I mean, the confidence, the, all of the skill sets that she learned. And so that's when we, you know, we talk about books change lives. They change the lives of authors and of readers. And, and for a lot of our folks, it's not about the book. It's about who you become in the process of writing and publishing that book. And I think Emma is an incredible example of that. That's, that's been really great, fun. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, have you had to deal with any disasters? Oh, yeah. I mean, tons. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of fun times. Um, you know, none come, none, you know, none come off uh, the, the, like off the top of my head. I don't focus a lot on those. Oh, right. uh, we focus a lot more on, on uh, the successful ones. But I, I will say this. There's a crazy stat. Um, that I think it's the average self-published book sells uh, less than a hundred copies, yeah. which is just not good. Right. And so our, our goal is to make sure that our authors don't fall in that bucket and hopefully they're a lot more successful than that. So what do you find, what do you find the average sales volume to be for, for your authors? Yeah, it's tough to know because this is like one of the downsides because because we're not a publisher, we don't own the rights or their account. We oh, give so them ownership of the account. So they have all the sales data. data. So unfortunately, I don't have a great answer, but that's something we're trying to solve because uh, we would love to have just better data on all of our books. So that we can say, oh, th these books are selling, these books are not like that stuff, but we're not quite there yet. Have you gotten any of your books to hit any bestseller lists? Oh yeah. Tons. Yeah. Um, a lot of Amazon bestseller lists. I think we've had at least, I, I don't know for sure, but I think we've had at least a couple um, wall street journal or other wow. bestseller lists, but yeah. Wow. Really interesting. So where do you think your business is going in the next 10 years? Yeah. I mean, the goal is a um, hundred thousand books published by 2035. So that's a little bit longer than 10 years, but um, that's the goal. And, uh, I, I could pull up the slide that I talk at the team, uh, uh <laughs> at the offsite is like, here's our 10 year vision is we got 75,000 more books published. We've got, you know, 
my, I, my, my hope and my goal is that 50% of best-selling authors work with us in some capacity to sell more books and just better innovating and creating better products and services for authors that help them succeed. So that's our goal and our vision is publish more books, change more lives, and, and in the process, hopefully change the publishing industry for the better um, by putting the power back in the hands of authors and giving people a better alternative. Have you gotten any feedback from the mainline publishers about what you're doing? I mean, you've been around for a while, so you've got success. Anybody paying attention to you or your model? Uh, you know, more, more so than I think they'd like to admit. I've heard <laughs> insiders in the publishing world that when we kind of came on the scene, they were like, who is this kid? Uh, <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and so, I mean... Um, I, I, you know, I, I think they kind of are, uh, we're a peon in the grand scheme of things. I mean, they do billions of dollars a year. Uh, so I think we're probably not a, not enough of on their radar, but a lot of those companies, they, they see the opportunity in self-publishing. So they've tried to get involved in some way. Uh, they haven't really executed that well. Um, but I think they see that it's a big existential threat to their long-term business model. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. It's the ubiquity of, Amazon allows you to to do to I mean it used to right. be where the gateways you know because it was right. all hard copy and you had to put up the cost of publishing either a trade or hardback or whatever the style was going to be and yeah it's uh, been democratized I mean and it's not just Amazon it's a bunch of other companies too right. I mean obviously they're the thousand pound gorilla but I mean a lot of a lot of other um, companies have kind of just democratized the publishing industry and you know, 70% of all books sold are sold on Amazon and other online retailers. And you don't need a publisher to publish on those platforms. That's right. And so it's, I mean, it's really, so that's been a big catalyst. Are most of your books eBooks and they're in the Kindle version or, or are you, are you actually doing print on demand too? Yeah. Most are eBooks and print. Those are the two predominant things. And then to anyone who, li who will listen, I'm saying you need to publish an audiobook. Yes. Um, and really you need to publish your book in all formats because you'll sell more copies of your books and uh, you'll make more money in royalties. So obviously there's more barrier to entry, but I yeah. recommend that people publish in all three formats. Yeah. My fourth book, uh, my wife was the narrated it and the job. And, and when I look at my royalty statements, um, I, I get more money off my, my uh, audible. Statement I believe that. Than anywhere else. I believe that. I mean, people are listening to this podcast, right? Those people probably prefer yeah, audio I, content. I don't, I don't read books anymore. Um, I don't have time. So, but I can listen to a book while I'm driving. Yes. Walking. And, and so it's just the whole, I mean, the iPod just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. <laughs> the I touch now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> re really interesting. I was going to say on the self-publishing stuff, I had a conversation with somebody from Forbes last week. They wanted to sell me an $80,000 package to publish with Forbes, to be a Forbes author, right? $80,000. Yeah. And I still had to write the manuscript myself. They weren't even going to ghostwrite it for me. I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down to selfpublishing.com. Exactly. It's just interesting <laughs> that we're seeing more and more of this. And so you guys have found a niche that's, that's really working for you. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to, I think you're right. I think you're into something here. Um, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, one more question. I'll let you go. Um, so, well, you have an interesting background. So you dropped out of college, ADHD, you know, but author, successful author of several books, many books. I didn't I read that you had written like six or seven books, something many yes, of them. Seven. Yep. Yeah. And 
you had problems getting them published, and then all of a sudden somebody found you, and all of a sudden you, you're a published author. Um, but besides all of that, what's one thing that we wouldn't know about you unless you revealed it to us? <laughs> Good question. Uh, some people might know this, but but this is kind of this surprises some people. This is a random fact. Um, that my brother plays in the Grammy nominated uh, rock and roll band called need to breathe. Uh, <laughs> so they're a big touring band. And he's also has this boat farm tree houses. It's these luxury romantic Airbnb experiences. They've been on Netflix and uh, like the world's most amazing vacation rentals. So it's just kind of a, a, a small world, random fact uh, that that's probably something that not, not a lot of people know. That's really interesting. So your parents have got to be saying, how did we raise these crazy kids? <laughs> yes. Oh, definitely. And I, and in different, with different uh, meanings, like, I think there were definitely a time in our life, we were like, how in the world do we raise these crazy kids? Right. And then now in the long term, it's like, what people are like, Hey, how did you raise these, these crazy successful really successful, kids? Yeah. Really yeah. successful young men. And I, so it's funny you asked that, or, or maybe not ask, but mention that is because that was actually the topic. And on the video here, you can see this in my, in my background. That was the topic of the first book is breaking out of a broken system. I wrote it with my brother. It was about the 15 things our parents taught us growing up that we thought was normal. And then we got out in the real world and realized no one gets taught this stuff. Wow. And it's kind of his perspective as a musician, my perspective as a business guy on those same 15 things. And not not to sound self-serving, but, uh, you know, it because it, it, it honestly is a question that my parents get asked a, a good amount now, because I'm from a tiny town in the middle of nowhere. So obviously, so is my brother. And I mean, he's had a huge success with that band, with the business, and we're doing pretty well with, with self-publishing.com as well. And so it's just, it's, and we're the only two kids in the family. So everyone's like, hold up, how did you do this? <laughs> uh, and so that was what we kind of, our version of it kind of in that book, maybe my parents will write their version. Now you've got me intrigued. So uh, of the 15, what do you think, what do you think the top three are? Oh, man, it's been so long since I wrote that book. I mean, no, it's okay. I, I, like a lot of them are just basic things, but it's, there's, there's the power of your mindset. There's the power of betting on yourself. Yeah. Um, and then one of my favorite concepts in there is uh, the power of many, so M-I-N-I, -I, so small, many, M-A-N-Y, so a lot of them. So the power of many, many successes. And that was wow. what I think my parents did a really great job of is they just, they said, oh, you want to do this? We're fully supportive. Right. Now, if you're doing it, you're doing it and right. you're going to be all in on it. But, and we're going to be here to support you, but try it up oh, that failed, no big deal. Try the next thing. And so you just, you start to get reps and you start to fail, but then you also have some success. And then that gives you the confidence to say, Perfect. Hey, that went well. What maybe I could do something bigger than that. And you just kind of keep snowballing. Perfect. Well, we're going to end on that note. Thank you, Chandler. Really, really fascinating talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Doug. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. 
If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listeningwithleaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.